Well, the last uh, several weeks we've been looking at the subject of prosperity, and the Bible is very clear that God wants us to live a life that's thriving and flourishing, not barely getting by. In a, a lot of the world, that's all that life is about. It's just about meeting the next need to the next need to pay for the next thing that might come up, to plan to quit working, to simply make it through life. And God has so much more than that. God's plan is that we prosper in all things. Everybody say all things. That's what Third John verse 2 tells us. That God's desire is that we prosper in all things and, just in case we want to make it clear, and in health. Because what's, what's the good of prospering financially if your health is bad, right? We want it all. <laughs> and God provided it all. And so He wants us to prosper in all things. He wants our body to be healthy and strong. The bottom line is, is that I want you to understand this, that our prosperity... Um, and even our health and our physical body is directly connected to our spiritual prosperity. In other words, our spiritual growth. It's not two separate issues. Third John 2 makes that clear because the Word of God says that God said that I, I pray above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. And if you were on your own to do some study in Third John there... In that chapter, you will find what he is talking about is the Word of God. That is the primary topic in there. So he's talking about our, our prospering in God's Word leads us to prospering in spiritually and prospering in our body. And so we need to understand that God doesn't have a problem with us being wealthy. He wants us to be wealthy. Why? So we can further the kingdom of God. What he does have a problem is he has a problem with us being covetous. He has a problem with us um, living for money, serving money, chasing money. Why? If we're doing those things, what are we not doing? We're not fulfilling the purposes and plans of God. We're headed in the wrong direction. We're putting money as a God in our life and it doesn't need to be that way. If we will serve the one true God, he said what? All these things you need and even the things you desire, I'll add to you. I'll bless you with, if what? You'll seek first the kingdom of God. That doesn't mean, oh, well, I wake up every morning and I pray and I read my Bible. <laughs> it's much more than that. It is laying down your life to honor God with your life. Every part of your life. Not just one little portion of your life. We, and that's the way we like to do things sometimes, as, especially as Americans. We like to portion things out. I'll give you a little bit of this, and I'll give you a little bit of this, and oh God, I'll give you a little bit of this, and, and, I, got, and, I, and I have, see, I have my church life, and then I have my personal life, and then I have this life. And see, that's not the way it can be in the kingdom of God. Jesus is Lord over our lives. Every part of it. You've heard me say this before. The best way I know how to describe this is that we, we want God and His Word to orbit around us. And what we need to be doing is making God and everything in our life center and we orbit around Him. We orbit around the Word. Everything is focused on Him and the Word of God and the Spirit of God, not the other way around. And so... You know, prosperity begins with the heart. 
And the question is that we all need to ask ourselves is who has our heart? Who, who has our heart? The Bible says, God said that where your heart is, I mean, where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. Meaning that who has our heart? Who's in possession of it? Who's in control of it? If God has your heart, then you'll place Him first in your life. That is to say that you'll put Him first in every area of your life. Now, tonight, what we're going to do is we are going to look at the uh, area or principle of stewardship. In fact, we're going to do this over the next few weeks. Everybody say stewardship. stewardship. That's the word I want all of us to get in our hearts and minds. Stewardship. It is very important. The Bible has much to say about stewardship regarding or relating to prosperity. And so one of the first principles of stewardship that we need to get a hold of is that God is our source, or He is the source of all things. Okay, So look with me in Colossians chapter 1. You can look on the screen if you want. Colossians 1, 15-17 says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. We're talking about Jesus. For by Him, now notice verse 16, for by Him all things were created. Everybody say all things. So does that mean everything? Right? All things means all. So all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible. What does that mean? Those things in the natural world and those things in the spiritual world. Okay? So both, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things consist. We ask the question in here, or we could ask the question, who created all things? God, right? All things. Everybody say all things again. Who were they created for? For Him. For Him, the Bible says. For Him. So all things were created for Him. Everything, the Bible says here, exists because of Him. So all things exist. He is the source of all things. The source of all things. He is everything. Okay? Now, let's look a little further to get this God is the source or He possesses all things. Uh, look with me on the screen, Psalm 50, verses 10 and 12. For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the mountains, and the wild beasts of the field are mine. Verse 12. If I were hungry, I would not tell you. For the world is mine in all its fullness. What is God saying here? I own it all. Everything. It's all mine. Okay? Why is it all His? He created it. It is His. And He's saying, if I were hungry, okay, I'm not going to ask you. The whole world is His refrigerator, so to speak. And I, when I'm in my house, I don't ask anybody permission for anything. Okay, right? Well, guess what house we're in? It's God's house. Okay? I want you to see that. God made the earth and everything in the earth. 
everything in the earth. Is there anything in this earth that wasn't made from material in the earth? Was that chair made from this earth? Right? This was made from this earth, right? This money was printed from where? The earth, right? Everything is from the earth. Who made the earth? So who possesses all things? God. He made everything. Everything. We can't say, well, the power of my might and my hand, I made that. You say, well, I made that chair, and that chair is worth thousands, tens of thousands. You know how I, I'm not into art, okay? No, 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 I don't appreciate good art. Good art. Not paint splattered on a thing, and they call it, wow. My point is, is that it, things like that are all relative. You know what I'm saying? But the fact is they place a high value and somebody could say, well, it's because it was created by so-and-so. But did so-and-so really create it? Where did they get the ability? Where did they get the materials? Where did they get the talent? Where did they get these things from? It all comes back to who? All things were created by him and exist for him. And in him all things consist. Uh, If you want to write this down, 1 Corinthians 10.26, quoting the Old Testament, says, For the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. So in other words, we're, we're quoting again, The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. And in Psalm 24.1, the Bible says, The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. The world and those who dwell therein. You know, when I find a scripture repeated that many times, the earth and the fullness thereof belong to the Lord. What is God trying to tell us something? When you see something repeated throughout Scripture several times, that is a big statement. God doesn't waste words. He didn't just didn't have anything else to say, so that's what he said. The Spirit of God is trying to get something across to us. The earth and the fullness thereof, that means everything in it, belongs to Him. Now, I think these Scriptures establish that fact, don't they? Now, let's take it one step further. In the New Testament, Jesus paid the price for your eternal salvation. In other words, Jesus paid the price for you and I to become a child of God. You could not, listen carefully, you could not buy, earn, or in any way pay for your sin. There was no way possible. And so salvation is a free gift by grace through faith. And guess what? The Lord provided the grace and the faith, right? You didn't get faith on your own. How does faith come? By hearing and hearing the word. So God had to send someone in your life, somehow, some way, to go ahead and give you the word. But it was him, it was his word that provides the faith for you to be able to receive what grace provided. So no matter how you look at it, when you take us out of it, when you remove us, what you have left is what? You have God who created all things, is the source of all things. It is important that we see that he's even the source of life. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and it more abundantly. Who gives us life? Jesus God, He gives us life. He is our source of everything. You couldn't take your next breath without Him. There is no life outside Jesus. Because He is life. What do you have if you remove light? Darkness. Darkness isn't something that had to be created. 
Darkness is what? The absence of light. So what is death? The absence of life. Who is the source of life? God. Who is the source of light? God. If you remove God out of the picture, what have you have left? Death and darkness. Nothing. Nothing. But the fact is, is that there is no life outside of Jesus. 1 Timothy 6, 7, if you want to write this down. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. We brought nothing. How many of you came naked? Did anybody not come naked? Do we need to argue that point? All right. Y'all came naked. Guess how you're leaving? Same way. I mean, you brought nothing in. You're taking nothing with you. <laughs> I mean, nothing. And yet, we can, you can have people be filled with pride about their life. And I'm a self-made man. I'm a self-made, you know, millionaire isn't much anymore. Billionaire now. Are you? How did you do it on your own? How, can anybody really truly live on their own without some help? It's not possible. You can't do, you have to have connections and friends and associates and, and there's all these different things into play. No one is self-made. No man is an island. We cannot claim that we are the source of anything in this life is what I'm trying to get across. We cannot even, as I mentioned, personally guarantee our next breath. What we do is we depend on the Lord. We trust in Him. Let, let's further cement this in one last time. Haggai 2.8 says the silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. So does the silver and gold belong to him? Everything belongs to him. It's, he said it clearly. It's mine. It's mine. Now, I'm not getting into this tonight because we're talking about stewardship, but who is our daddy? The very one who owns all these things, right? So if he owns it all, then who are we to him? You know what I'm saying? Uh, my kids come over to my house, right? They don't knock. They just barge in, all right, and go right to the fridge in a lot of cases. At least my son does most of the time. What's in here? What's going on? You know, and he'll just grab something right out of there without question. Why? It's his home. Now, he doesn't even live there anymore, but it's his home. We're his parents. He doesn't treat us like, he doesn't call us saying, Mom and Dad, I just want to know, can I come over? He just comes over he just you know he does his thing why he feels at home there you know well are we the same in the same connection and relationship with our heavenly father i feel at home this earth may be the lord's but who do i belong to amen who did he make it for what is the silver and gold for does god need silver and gold no but he put us here on this planet and we're his children now, who is he going to make it for? The devil and his kids or his own kids? Are you supposed to go out there and support someone else's family but let yours go broke? Right. You take care of what? Your own wife, your, your own kids, your own bills, your own family first, and then you help someone else, right? Well, think about that for a minute. All these riches, all these things that we need to understand were made for us. That's not my message tonight, but it's made for us. We must come to the place that we realize we can do nothing without God. He is the source of everything. Everything belongs to Him. You know, God even, um, in dealing with the Israelites, 
he warned them that in the middle of his blessing, uh, the middle of them uh, being supernaturally prosperous, um, being healthy, uh, being comfortable, filled with security, that they would come to a place where they might lift up their heart. Now, what is a lifted heart referring to? It's referring to pride. It's referring to looking to myself instead of remembering who truly is my source. Okay, And sometimes when we're in the middle of being prosperous and blessed and, and abundance and, and, and we kind of can sometimes forget about the Lord a little bit, and we begin to look at our stuff and what we've gained. Now, no one hears like that, but there are people that can become that way. That is, as God prospers them, they become secure in themselves. They become, um, with, without realizing it, pride begins to, to grow in them, and they forget their reliance on the Lord because they're so blessed. And so that's why it's important that we maintain our fellowship with the Lord consistently in the good times and in the bad, right? But let, let's look at what the Lord warned them of. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 11 through 18, look carefully on the screen. He says, beware that you do not forget. So if God has to say, beware that you do not forget, what is the possibility here? It's most likely you're going to forget, okay? How many, do we remember everything? No, we easily forget things. Why? We get distracted with life. And that's what he's saying is going to happen here. He said, Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping His commandments, His judgments, and His statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full, and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply, and your silver and your gold are multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied when your heart is lifted up, and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led you through that great and terrible wilderness in which were fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty land where there was no water, who brought water for you out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he might test you to do you good in the end. Then you say in your heart, now listen, this is pride, you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. And so he's saying here in verse 18, and you shall remember, everybody say remember. It's something we need to remember. The Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. You see, we can get so caught up in life, and in the blessing of God. And see, we all are susceptible to this. We can forget who gave us the power to get this wealth. It is He who gives us the power to get wealth. We need to be reminded of that. And also, there's a purpose. What is the purpose of wealth? What is the purpose of you being blessed? So that, what is He says here, that He may establish His covenant. What's his covenant? What's establishing his covenant in our age? Fulfilling the Great Commission. Going into all the world. Meeting the needs of others. Being able to spread the gospel. To do what God's called us to do. Be able to reach people. To reach the world. 
Well, that is establishing his covenant, but we can't do it if we're broke, right? I heard some guy on a podcast I was listening to as I was taking a walk last night, and, and it was really good information. And he, I think it's another denominational group. And he was talking about really, really small churches. And in uh, small churches, if you're not aware of it, as much as, as everybody would like to think every church is a thousand members, you know, uh, that's, that's of any substantial uh, size, the average church in America is well under 200. In fact, it's probably in the 50 to 80 range. You know, is the majority of churches throughout America. There are exceptions to that rule. Obviously, there's the mega churches, and there's a lot of churches somewhere between 200 to 500 or so. But the majority of them are smaller. And he was talking about how uh, a lot of these pastors uh, had to work, uh, they're bivocational, so they work a full time job and they preach, or they might work a part time job. And $13 to buy a book that might teach them something is literally, I don't have it. I don't have $13. And you know, when I, when I think of those kind of things, I think that's the point I'm making is that God wants us blessed. Why? So that we can afford the $13, so that we can be a blessing, so that we can grow and prosper, that we're not stopped by finances. You know what I'm saying? We shouldn't be halted by money. Okay, we should have an abundant supply to be able to do what God's called us to do. God wants that for us, but he also has some processes for this. He doesn't want you focused on the money. And it's easy to do that. It's easy when someone first starts to get prosperous and they don't even realize that they're not really looking to the Lord anymore. Because how many know when you're broke, you really look to the Lord? Or when there's a problem financially, what do you do? You look to the Lord, you know? Hello, Lord, it's me again, you know? Uh, My name is Jimmy, gimme, 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 you know? I got a problem again, I got an issue again. Well, when you begin to understand these principles, you don't seem to do that so much because you're walking in them. Well, sometimes we can get our eyes so far off the Lord that we think we're the ones doing it. I'm blessed because of my talent, my ability, or whatever. Always remember God is your source. Amen? It's vital that we remember that, that we are simply stewards. Look with me, Psalm 8, uh, verses 3 through 8. This is, again, we are simply stewards on the earth of God's stuff. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained. Remember, who, who made all these things? We're talking about the Lord, right? What is man that you are mindful of him? And the Son of Man, that you visit him. For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. Now, notice verse 6. You have made him to have dominion over the work of your hands. You have put all things under his feet all sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, and the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the seas. What is the scripture telling us? That God owns everything, he created them. But he gave you and I the authority to steward them. We have been given dominion over all the works of his hands. And that is, you've seen men, mankind, take the earth and possess it, have you not? We rule everything, right? All animals, everything. There's nothing, hardly an area that we haven't conquered, that we haven't brought under our control. I mean, you don't see men and women in zoos, do you? You see what? 
animals in zoos. We're the one that put the polar bear there, you know, and figured out a way. How could we have dominion? Because we have dominion, because God gave it to us. They're his creation, but he gave dominion. We're to be good stewards of the earth. He gave us the earth. We ought to do what's right by it, right? Should we just throw trash out the window? So God owns everything, right? He, he made us stewards. The dictionary defines a steward, if you want to write this down, as a manager, one who actively directs affairs, one who keeps accounts. So a steward is a manager and one who keeps accounts or actively directs affairs for someone. The principle of stewardship is absolutely necessary for an understanding of biblical prosperity. In fact, Jesus was so um, clear on this that he implied this, okay? The, the tying, handling money to spiritual things, that handling finances well is the most basic area of spiritual growth. And see, we like to separate the money thing from, from spiritual things, but that's not the case with Jesus. He was very clear. And we're going to get into a lot more of that but uh, I want to share a little joke with you. A businessman was interviewing applicants for a position of divisional manager. And so he devised a simple test to uh, uh, figure out who was most suitable for the job. And so what he did was he asked each applicant, what is two and two? All right, simple, right? What is two and two? So the first interviewee was a journalist. And his answer was 22. <laughs> and so the second was a social worker. She said, I don't really know the answer, but I'm glad we've had time to discuss this important question. <laughs> the third applicant was an engineer. He pulled out a slide rule, and he showed the answer should be between 3.999 and 4.001. The next person was a lawyer, and he stated in the case of Jenkins versus Morris, two and two was proven to be four. The last applicant was an accountant. The businessman asked him, how much is two and two? So the accountant got up from his chair, looked around, went over to the door, closed the door, went back in his chair, leaned over to the man and asked him in a low voice, how much do you want it to be? <laughs> he got the job. <laughs> That's a good one, an accountant. <laughs> Luke sixteen eleven, Jesus said, therefore... If you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, which is talking about money, who will commit to your trust the true riches? Look at that verse again. Everybody look at that verse. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, and it was talking about handling finances, who will commit to your trust the true riches? What does that tell us right there? That if you truly want spiritual responsibility, that if you truly want to handle the good things of God, spiritual things the more important things then you need to get your finances in order that's interesting isn't it that's real important now what is getting our finances in order being a good steward of what is placed in our hands being a good steward and and there's a lot of people that think well i'm a good steward you know i pay my bills and that's about it and they don't go any further they never they never think about some of the principles of multiplying their finances of asking the Lord what they should do with certain part of their finances. In other words, are we to just stay the same or are we to grow? Are we to develop? Are we to expand our understanding of money and how to use it and how to 
uh, thoughtfully increase it. Why? Well, we'll see as we look more in stewardship, it's important to the Lord. It's a big deal. And so handling finances properly is very important. Understanding the principle of stewardship brings with it a wonderful sense of peace, too. Why is that? Because being a steward is handling someone else's stuff. (laughs) Stop and think about it for a moment. In other words, you're not the source. I'm not the one that has to be the source. My job is to simply manage the goods for the source. I don't have to produce. All I have to do is trust him and do what's right with what he puts in my hands. Now think about this too. A steward gets paid to manage the goods and services of someone else. So in other words, a good steward would get paid well, right? If we're stewards of God's stuff, would God not want to increase us if we do a good job? Would God not want to add to us? And yet, could we blame it on Him if we're not good stewards? And we're not seeing the, the, the growth that we'd like to in our lives? I know sometimes we need to look at ourselves and find out where we're at, what we're doing. So as we kind of come to the close of this, when we come to the place that we understand that we are stewards of God's stuff and that God is our source and everything belongs to Him, there is a level of peace in our life that very few walk in. See, I'm pastor of this church, but I'm not the source. So when I remind myself of that, you know what that does? That gives me a boldness and a freedom. It doesn't wear me down. It doesn't burden me. I know that my job is just to steward what God placed in my hands. My job is not to force it into existence. You get what I'm saying? I'm not creating it. I am stewarding it. And the better steward I am, the more the Lord will add to me. And the worse steward you are, what will he do? He's going to take away and give it to someone who's handling it better. Amen? That's what he said in his word. We'll look at that in the future. Listen to this. This is a quote by Lynn Miller. Listen closely to this. Stewardship is the act of organizing your life so that God can spend you. I'm going to say this again. I really want you to to get this. Stewardship is the act of organizing your life so that God can spend you. Is your life your own? No. The Bible says you belong to Him. So when you think about your time, resources, talent, ability, gifts, all these things, treasure, all these things that he has placed in you and on you, they're his resources to spend. And that's how we need to look at it. That really opens your heart and mind up to allowing God to use you at a greater level. Let me give you an example. Um, Let's say we were going to have an offering, okay? And I were to say to each and every one of you, I want you to grab the purse or wallet of someone else. And I want you (laughs) to give generously. In other words, give as much as you'd like to give. How many would find it very easy to do that? Why? It's not your money, right? It's easy to give someone else's money. Am I right? So whose money is in your wallet now? Is it yours or is it his? So sometimes we think, well, Lord, I don't want to give my money He could say, whose money? That's my money. Right? 
And so we don't, if we're going to be good stewards of God's things, we need to see things as God things. That means my home belongs to him. My car belongs to him. My checking account, my bank account, whatever access I have to the, they are all his. And, and all he asked of me on the norm is what? He asked me that I would honor him with the tithe, right? After all, he gave it to me anyway. And he said, I want you to honor me with the tithes. And then he would like me to do offerings. And in most cases, with offerings, he is leaving it up to you. Now, at the same time, I believe we ought to at least honor him with, Lord, what would you like me to do? And at least give him the opportunity to say something. I would like you to do this. I've had the Lord prompt me at times where, you know, there was only so much money and, and he asked me for, you know, 80% of it. <laughs> and I'm thinking, two weeks till payday. And, and I'm, I, you know, I got a wife and kids and I'm thinking, I'm thinking about this, but I'm thinking, wait a minute now. It all belongs to him. And he meets my needs. I'm not the source. Yeah, sure, Lord, I'll do it. Boy, does that take it off of me. You say, I gave to the Lord. No, the Lord prompted me to give some of his money to where he wanted it. Now, is the Lord going to take from you and let you go broke and not eat but feed someone else? Of course not. Of course not. If he asks you to give, especially giving big out of what you have left over, does he have something special in mind for you? He already has a plan. He already has something in motion. Remember, he is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who what? Sees ahead and provides. He's already made provision. And a lot of the times, to get some of the things, the blessings of God in your life, they're connected to your obedience. And a lot of times, it's financial. If you obey him, you opened a door over here. There's a, um, a story Brother Hagen Sr. tells about um, the time he had given um, a large amount of money. I want to say it was $100. Now, remember, this is back 60 years ago, oh, maybe 70. I don't know. But it was a long time ago when he was a real young man. And $100 at the time to him, was it might have well been 4000 I mean, it was all he had and a lot of money. Okay, And the Lord told him to give this amount to so-and-so. And boy, he said it, it took some faith for him to do it, but he did it, and he obeyed the Lord, and he did it with a right heart. Well, not too long later, he was in a situation where he ran into a woman, and this woman was demon-possessed. It was actually the daughter of someone. And um, the Lord gave him everything he needed. Instantly, he knew what to do, how to handle the situation, and that girl was completely set free in her right mind. And the Lord told him this, and I'm paraphrasing some, but the Lord told him this, that if you wouldn't have obeyed me, uh, whatever it was, a couple weeks ago, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, whatever it was in giving that, you would not have been able to minister to this girl right now. It wouldn't have worked. You see, our obedience to give, our obedience to honor the Lord is very, very important to him. But again, it all comes back to this. Say it with me. Say, I am a steward of God's stuff. And I want to encourage you to be a good steward. Amen. Be a good steward. What I mean, be a good steward. Handle it properly. Talk to the Lord. Be open to Him. It's His stuff. I want to close out in this scripture just to remind us of being a good steward. 1 Timothy 6, 7. Again, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. 
So in other words, it's important to understand when you say, well, Lord, I don't know if I want to give that much of my money. (laughs) It's not your money. It's his money. He allowed you to possess X amount of whatever that you have on you or, or whatever skill or whatever check you're getting and so on and so forth. And so when we look at it that way, it changes our perspective. It allows us to see that we're on this earth and we want to be a good steward of God's stuff. And you know what that means? God will increase us and bless us if we're better stewards. And the more we obey Him and honor Him as stewards and allow Him to flow through us, He's going to pour more and more and more through you. Why? Because you're good for Him. It's just like somebody who's rich who finds a good uh, uh, steward to handle their finances in a business. They're going to pay that person really well. Why? Because that person looks out for the business. That person handles things right. You know how hard it is to find someone you can truly trust? Truly trust. I mean, that it's, it's not normal. It's not in this world. It's abnormal. But when God finds someone that he can truly trust, Right where they're at, even if it's small, he will increase them and increase them and increase them. And as long as they're trustworthy, as long as they're doing what he asked them to do with it, he will continue to increase their life. As long as you're willing for it. I don't know about you, but I'm not turning the Lord down. Amen? How about you? So say, I'm shooting to be a better steward.